0: Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Strive. Uh, today, I do have the pleasure of Taryn Gessel uh, on the show. I say good morning to you and good afternoon for me. Uh, welcome, Taryn.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. Splash, as I said, splash some water on my face, got myself camera ready for today. So it's fun to be here.
0: <laughs> well, it's good talking to somebody on the other side of the world in uh, Canada uh, where my, my eldest daughter lives there. So. There is a connection there. I'll just tell the audience a little bit about you. You are known, and uh, we just have a joke about this as Triathlon uh, Taren, or formerly known as Triathlon Taren, um, online. And you're the founder and CEO of, of Motive, uh, where you help endurance athletes get their uh, get to their start lines feeling confident, and across their finish lines feeling strong. Um, and you run the you run the second largest triathlon YouTube channel in the world the most highly ranked triathlon podcast in the world, uh, and you publish the most highly rated triathlon training books throughout your Triathlon Foundation series. And you've trained thousands of athletes online through your Disruptive Motive Endurance Training app. And today, we're going to uh, take all your experience, uh, obviously in, in business, but also in triathlon, and to explore stress management in stressful situations and how to balance right the things to create that sort of high-performance Um, But before we go there, Tarim, I'd love to ask you, uh, what do you love about what you do? You
1: told me that this was going to come about three minutes ago and had a quick think about it. And I think it's related to what we're going to talk about with stress management. Um, What I love about what I do now is very similar to what I loved about training for and pushing into new physical depths of triathlon. What I've always loved is seeing how far I'd be able to push things and progress. Uh, I think as humans, we're always very wired to progress and be competitive. I think it's in our nature. I think it's how we've evolved. I am very, very highly tuned to that competitive drive. And I had that originally as a triathlete. I mean, competitive drive and pushing yourself is that that's the entire name of the sport. But now being a founder and a CEO of a company in the sport, it's kind of that same feeling. A lot of people ask me if I have any races planned this year. And I say, honestly, I can't even fathom racing because I'm getting all of that same excitement, the same stress, the same fulfillment that I used to get from training for a race for from pushing the business forward. It feels very, very much the same. It's that little bit of competition. It's that little bit of seeing what we're capable of overcoming challenges. And whether it's training or in business, I really like that. And I think that that can actually lead us into what we're going to talk about with whether it's stress in training or stress in business and stress in life. It's all kind of stress. It's very, very similar things. It's, It's all of these things are just higher rungs on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but they're all based in the same foundation. So yeah, I, I find that, that push very fun, very exciting and rewarding.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that, that push, and obviously we can push ourselves and we have a drive to, to do things. And, and we're going to talk a bit about high performance and, you know, high performance is great, but it can come at a potential cost uh, to, our, to our lives. So before we get into that cost, which is we're gonna talk about stress, is how would you define high performance for you?
1: High performance, I think for everyone, can be boiled down to one phrase that I heard once that I think people hear, but they might not really understand it. And the phrase is from a book about high performance. I think it was, uh, Magnus. I think the book was actually called peak performance and the phrase was more is more until it's not. And that high performance aspect of things is very fulfilling for people. It feels very good. Um, for me, that's the pushing for a little bit more, whether it was in a race or progress in the business and what people forget from that line is the until it's not. So high performance can be pushed out to everyone's individual limit, but that limit changes for everyone. So if we're putting some frameworks around this as far as training, which is a really easy way to explain it, well, the point at which training starts to go past the diminishing returns and actually be counterproductive might be 10 hours for me, but it might be 30 hours for a professional athlete. So I think that high performance is relative to everyone's individual situation. So some people can perform at higher levels than others. And I think to just put a blanket statement of, well, high performance is X, well, X might not apply to every single person. I think X is relative to your potential. And you can always push out that potential, but you can't just measure yourself by some random arbitrary measure of what high performance is.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to make sure that we do it from our own perspective as in, rather than comparing to others. Because obviously, we're all different. We're all unique. We have different DNAs, different uh, drives, different mindsets. Um, but how do we know when we are at that peak performance? And do we ever know we're at that peak performance? Have you experienced that yourself where you think, I, I've got an example and I, I know it's at peak?
1: There, there are a few ways to physically start knowing if you're pushing yourself too far. And this is, I think, something that is still very much in its infancy. So what we try to do with our athletes is give some measurable ways to identify if they have reached that until it's not moment. And uh, research will clear this up, I'm sure, over the next five to 10 years because we're starting to get some clarity on it. But there can be some very simple things that people measure to understand if they are pushing into their depths as as far as they possibly can. One, the simplest one being, are you sleeping well? Are you sleeping soundly throughout the night? Or are you waking up? Are you getting seven and a half hours sleep? Or do you wake up with a jolt a little bit earlier at that, say, six hours of sleep? Um, That's actually an indication, if you aren't getting good sleep, that you are too stressed out, that you're pushing too hard. If you can't nap in the afternoon, that wired and tired feeling, that's an indication that you're pushing too hard. Mm -hmm. If somebody needs something that is a little bit more specific and and measurable and not quite as subjective as that, because people can kid themselves and get six hours of sleep and say, "Ah, I feel great after they have four cups of coffee. Something that we like to do with athletes is start measuring their heart rate variability. And heart rate variability is... Very much new science, um, but we do have some indications that with several months of tracking heart rate variability, you can start understanding the sensations in your body of how much is too much. And what we like to recommend for athletes in particular, but this could be transferred over to non-athletes, is measuring your heart rate variability, tracking it every single day, writing it down and seeing if the seven-day average dips under your 30-day average. And if that happens, it's an indication that your acute stress of what you've been doing over the last seven days is more than you are capable of withstanding based off of your body over the last 30 days. So doing that over the course of three to six months, you'll be able to start pairing those moments where your seven-day average dips under your 30-day average with some physical sensations, with some of those subjective sensations, or some of the lifestyle habits where you can go, oh, I dipped under there. What did I do in the seven days prior to that? And you can start gauging how much Mm -hmm. is too much and and getting some of those, getting a tangible measure of subjective feelings.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to try and uh, measure not, not not stress i guess or what the 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 result of stress is causing on your body and and it's great that you're taking a, almost an athlete type approach and measuring heart rate because we can all measure our heart rates uh, and actually that's quite an interesting way of seeing whether in the last seven days am i more or less stressed i might feel stressed as you say subjectively i've, I've sensed some stress but i'm not entirely sure but actually having a, an indicator like that which is probably really helpful and you know, it's interesting how you know we think about high performance. There's a lot of you about you know pushing, and we've mentioned those words push, drive, and actually, you know, it's, sometimes it's more about flow, isn't it? And being that more mm-hmm. in your your moments of peakness, and I guess, uh, and and ha- I guess, how do we? How have you found it? And probably more in your company in terms of how you worked out there, knowing that flow that. Actually, when you're in the flow, you're probably in the moment, which means you're not stressed because you're not thinking about the future so much. You're more in in the now, and you can control the now. And if you're in the now, you're more mindful, and therefore you're more at peace. And, and that's that's the sort of flow sort of place. Have you experienced that in your company? And and how do you try and help yourself get yourself into that? Almost can we can we can we can we manufacture our flow, as it were? <laughs>
1: Uh, I think so. I think you can back your way into it. Just finished a book on Steve Jobs. And it's not the Walter Isaacson book. It's a, uh, a lesser known book that is more about how Steve turned from this lunatic 20 something year old into the Steve Jobs that we know that's revolutionized the world. And the trick that he used was every single morning, he would look in the mirror and say, If I only had one day left to live, would I be doing what I am doing today? And if he answered that question with no, too many days in a row, or it just felt like the no's were overtaking the yeses, then he knew that something needed to change. And I think it's very easy for us to adapt. Humans are great at adapting. That's why we have people living in frozen Arctic Canada, like I used to. Um, and then all the way down to Saharan tropical climates. We can kid ourselves into thinking that all stress is good stress, but I think if we take a step back and try to look at things a, a lot more objectively and take that subjective out of it as much as we can with tools and tactics that take us out of the moment, I think that's really helpful because in the moment we can all kid ourselves into a 16 hour week where at the end of the day or during we're like, wow, we're being really productive. We're in flow here. Um, but it might be excruciating as we're going through it and not all that stress is good stress. Um, not all that extra work is good work. When we talk about push uh, that's something that I, I fully believe has become really twisted in this hustle culture and particularly in the United States, which is dripping up to, up to Canada. And this thought that all stress and, and inocul- inoculating yourself from all stress is the way to, to do things. And it's it's really just, it's a, missing the entire big picture that management of stress is important before you teach yourself how to handle the enormous amounts of stress.
0: So just, just moving on to that, I mean, I think stress is a, it's a helpful indicator of what's going on in our lives, isn't it? And, you know, naturally the stress response there evolutionary wise survival wise it's there for a purpose you know the old saber tooth tiger and or if you're in the frozen parts of canada and you fall into a, a lake the stress response is valid and vital to try and get you out of that situation adrenaline heart rate going up all that sort of stuff is really helpful it's i guess what we're talking here now is the more chronic isn't it uh sort of stress Mm. uh, in terms of continuous in a stressful situation when you don't really need to be or i think sometimes we perceive as you said stress is a good thing and it's like it's just the wrong narrative to have it's not a good thing it's it's a good thing in the right scenario basic survival but on an everyday, it's not very good so how do we reframe that, but also how do we then start to manage our stress in a helpful way that doesn't have an impact on us physically, but also mentally? Well,
1: almost all things in the world have a dose at which it's lethal. And stress is the same, that not all stress is good for us. And not all stress makes us harder, better, faster, stronger, smarter. Not all stress is going to make us progress. And not all stress is also bad. Some stress is good. A little bit of stress is actually very good. One of the reasons that vegetables are good for us is because they have tiny little bits of a hermetic response that they are slightly stressful for our body and our body adapts to them. So stress that is well managed is good. But the analogy that I like to use about managing stress is, If you put your hand on a hot element and you went, oh my God, geez, that, and you got injured from it, would you, well, then go say, oh man, the next time I put my hand on a hot element, that is really going to hurt. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hand on a hot element for a little bit every single day and make my hand really strong. No, you would stop doing that. We need to understand that we need to pull back from stress at some points. And in some cases, the best way to manage it is by avoiding it in the first place and having tools to understand when should we pull ourselves back, being heart rate variability, being sleep, um, motivation. Motivation is an excellent tool that people think pushing and bursting through low motivation and just overcoming it is a badge of honor. Well, low motivation is actually the first indication that we are probably answering that question of, would I do this if this was the last day I was on this earth? Um, Low motivation is kind of an indication that we've probably answered no too many times. Athletes, very Mm -hmm. smart athletes, use low motivation as a tool for when they should start pulling themselves back. It's not always something that should be pushed through. So I'm giving a lot of somewhat subjective ways to see when you're pushing into your too much stress versus your sweet spot of high performance but it's not a a hard fast science where we can say all right this is my sweet spot it is just starting to recognize some of those subjective measures
0: i mean so it's obviously stress in itself obviously is not good and i think as you say not using it to push for performance or use it for performance what are the hacks that you found that have helped you to manage it in a way that you still get that high performance you still get that sense of peakness and whether that's in in a in your sport or in your company um what are the ways that almost your daily hacks because i i think a lot of this becomes through you might say something differently is through a regular consistent daily weekly sort of regime in some shape or form i think to sort of help manage because you're managing something it's got to be a consistent over time so i'd just be interested to see how how you're managing it and also and you've talked about some of the ways that you're getting aware i think that's a good place to start is that awareness that we're in a stress situation rather than getting to that point of burnout popping but actually before it even gets there that knowing your sleep and knowing the fact your low motivation knowing the fact that you heart rate if you can measure your heart rate things are like almost indicators early on so what what are, you, what are you doing when you start seeing those things start to start to spiral a little bit and you realize it's all going before you and thinking i'm starting to go into a stress situation here
1: balance is the key thing and if we're looking at training Athletic training, or let's look at specifically endurance training, because there's a very specific measure that we target as athletes, whether you're a beginner athlete or an elite athlete, whether you are training 10 hours a week or 30 hours a week, the rough breakdown of low stress versus high stress is about 80-20 that you want. You want to spend about 80% of your time at a low intensity, and this builds the foundation for fitness. And you want to spend about 20% of the time pushing yourself, digging really deep, working really hard. Those two work in conjunction. When you start getting down into 65, 60, 50% of the time in low intensity and much more time in high intensity, that's when the body starts to break down and build up injuries and overuse injuries, um, overtraining. It's kind of the same thing in day-to-day life. We need to have an appropriate balance between work and play or relaxation. And this isn't a hack. The, the measures that I talked about with heart rate variability and your motivation and the looking in the mirror, those are kind of the hacks that I think about, but more the habits that are, are helpful with getting that balance would be, I believe that work is going to be stressful. There's no way around it. So let's just accept, all right, it's going to be stressful. First, that acceptance of it's going to be stressful is part of the balance. If we look at that stress with more stress and go, oh my goodness, oh, this is so stressful, I need to change it. Well, we're just stressing ourselves out about stress and adding stress on top of the stress. So acceptance of work is probably going to be stressful. And in a lot of cases, Family life, running kids around, running errands, doing the bills. That's also going to be stressful. But the habit that I see that's really had the, the dial turned up towards much more stress is what we do outside of those work and family commitment moments. So in the morning, what do we do? We grab our phone and we go into hunt mode. We hunt on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube for the next video, the next piece of content, the next article, the next email, that hunting is a sympathetic, it's a a stressful state for us. Well, we used to just sit at the table reading a paper. So very different, much less stressful. At night, what do we do? We're two screening it. We're looking at one screen on the TV. We have another screen in front of us doing the same thing. We're in the hunt mode. We don't read a lot of actual physical books anymore. We read on our tablets um, and reading on our tablet is is better than scrolling social media, but it's still not as good as reading physical books. So the thing that I find tends to move that needle from in balance to out of balance is what I do in those times that should be relaxing. If I'm spending my morning scrolling social media, if I'm spending my evenings, too screening and looking on the iPad, I start to build up a lot of stress. My sleep starts going wonky. Um, all of those things that I started talking about—motivation, um, mood—all of those things start dipping towards too much stress, and that tends to be how I find it's brought into balance a lot better. And and the things that are the worst for us just mindlessly scrolling, and we think that it's a passive thing but it's it's like hunting it's going out it's i have to find something and what do we find we're finding some entertaining little bit of content mm-hmm. and that's a stressful state for us because we're focused in on this tiny little screen without our eyes moving side to side in a relaxed manner it's a bright screen which is very stressful for our system and it's hunting it's i am still turned on um, a much better way to even spend your time it had a bad rap in the 80s and 90s watching TV just watching TV that is passive and then even better than that reading on your tablet even better than that reading a book
0: so uh, so when you get into that moment and you start getting a I suppose a, not a habit but you start scrolling in the morning and the evening and are you sort of conscious aware of you created some, habits that you don't do that now or some sort of ways of behaviors or or regimes or rituals or whatever it is that makes you because I I know some people talk about creating new habits and instead of like getting up to straight on your screen and we all do it because it goes next to our bed. I've heard people they put their 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 mobile phone downstairs so they have to Mm. physically get up to get it. So when they get wake up, they're not straight on their screen. I've heard other people instead of going straight to the screen, they build. They have a coffee, which is fine, and, and they, they build a habit on their coffee. So they'll have a coffee and they'll do some mindfulness and they'll just mm-hmm. sort of... And so what are you doing? To, uh, a, to no, when you notice it, what do you do? And then have you sort of put something in place that minimizes that? I'm not saying you're, you're perfect now, but what, what have you done to minimize those ways of getting more the, the parasympathetic nervous system going, which is more more relaxed state? I
1: am far from having it figured out. I have a tremendously addictive personality as evidenced by taking up triathlon.
0: I was going to say you were triathlete. Yeah. Normal people
1: don't take up that sport. (laughs) We're all a little bit twisted um, and edged towards that extreme uh, lifestyle habits. Um, So I am very, very guilty of having bad smartphone habits, all the things that you talked about, about mindfulness, about putting your phone away. Those are all things that I have to do. One of the biggest things that I would say is even a step before that is there was a book that I think it was called the, the, the Twitch, something like that. Um, Starting to be mindful of that feeling where like my hand is moving off screen right now, towards like a phone feeling that, that feeling where you've got to reach towards your phone and having that as a mindful moment where your pattern interrupting and starting to recognize that pattern is the very first step that's not to say that you're going to be able to pull yourself away from it the same way that somebody quitting smoking has a really hard time quitting smoking mm-hmm. but at least being aware of it starts giving you that moment of okay I can choose to do one thing or another i find myself that unless I have something else to do, like that mindfulness, like a morning routine, like something that I enjoy doing that is more interesting than scrolling that phone, I'm probably just going to keep picking up the phone. So in my case, it's having a morning routine where I do certain stretches that I know Help my back, um, help my eyes. uh, And that's different for everyone. Maybe somebody has a shoulder injury or or some rehab, or maybe there's some yoga that they like to do, something that they would prefer to do other than that to keep them busy. At night, um, binge watching things has a bad rap. I really don't understand why, when the alternatives are scrolling social media and consuming things that are very, very stressful, binge watching something where you can get lost in a story, Mm -hmm. as long as that story isn't like the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary, that is very stressful, very real, but like watching complete fictional stories, um, that is storytelling. That's what we did Mm -hmm. when we were evolving, we would sit around a fire and we would listen to stories from people around the tribe, get Mm -hmm. into that storytelling mindset. Um, It's not as good as sitting and reading Tolstoy, but let's be honest, we still have to enjoy our life. So on those bookends of the day, in my case, it's a morning routine of mindfulness, of activity, a little bit of movement, of walking the dogs. And then at the end of the day, it's finding a show that I just want to sit and watch two episodes of and having that two hours of lying on the couch, scratching the dog, drifting away. And and those are the things that help me. But yeah, you do have to insert something into those moments that are not stressful.
0: And I guess have you noticed? Uh, and and this is you made a point about self awareness because I think that's really quite important here. Is knowing those feelings in your body, in your mind, and being really aware of you, those natural habits of your your hand drift to this phone, or your immediate response is to grab a phone. Um, Have you found yourself when you've been more mindful, when you've woken up and done those sort of um, nighttime, more relaxing scenarios over a period of time, that your days are more effective and feel, I guess, better, that's more subjective, but have you found that and noticed that yourself?
1: Oh, 100%. Had you asked me this question 10 years ago? No. But asking me now, when I've gone through tracking heart rate variability, being mindful of sleep, being mindful of, do I have an easy time getting into flow during the day? Um, How's my mood? Having all of those subjective things that we started talking about, now that I am more conscious of those, 100%, I can tell you based off of basically when I woke up in the morning, what I did the night before. Did I scroll on my iPad? and look at houses or Zillow or Airbnb about places to go? Or did I just sit and get lost, binge watching a couple episodes of something? Mm. I could tell you based on basically the minute that I woke up. If I had one of those scrolling kind of nights, probably Mm. gonna wake up about 90 minutes earlier. And that's what's going to happen to most people. They're going to wake up during the middle of the night. They're gonna wake up a little bit earlier. They're Mm. gonna go, oh, well, Guess I'm up because I feel awake. Well, that in a lot of cases is just a shot of adrenaline that is mistimed because your mm. body is gone to sleep when your body is ready for sleep, but your mind is still active, and you've mm. just carried that active mind into sleep right up until the minute that you go to sleep, and that's how you get mistimed shots of adrenaline throughout the middle of the night. And if you start being conscious of those things you'll start noticing them like right away.
0: Mm, Yeah. I was listening to a a sleep coach and uh, they were saying the way to get sort of good night's sleep. They didn't talk about how long or anything like that, but a good night's sleep was all about your daytime routine, the moment you wake Mm. up and how you do the rest of your day through to your nighttime. And it's that almost the daytime routine will predict and help enhance your sleep or not as the case. Um, you mentioned uh, from a triathlon sort of I suppose analogy of the 80-20 sort of rule, you know, 80% sort of low intensity, 20% sort of high intensity in terms of a training context. How do we do that in the context of business? because um, it, it's probably not as easy because of we're not we're not training ourselves as such and measuring as specifically. How do you do that in your business to keep that balance of stress is okay in the sense of high energy, you know, going after things, that's okay, that's fine. But long as it's only no one 20% type of thing, how do you A, do that and create that and then sort of, I guess, manage that as well?
1: I think it's very hard if your situation doesn't allow for control of your time. If you are an employee or if you are even the founder and owner of a company and the company is very large and the company essentially manages you in that case, it, it might be difficult. What I personally try to do and with full context that our business is, is fairly small where, uh, seven full-time employees. And I imagine as we grow, this will be the case, but I, I know that there was a time where I had two full-time employees and I was much busier than I am now. Um, because I, wasn't setting myself up correctly. And the things that I try to do, or really it's just one thing is I try to give myself slack. And if I feel like I don't have slack, something probably needs to change because there's always going to be that stressful time. Like yesterday is a good example. Um, Just had a lot of calls throughout the day, things that were supposed to take 15 minutes actually were 90 minute projects. And there were about three of those things that came up throughout the day. So, right up until 6 p.m., I was doing some spreadsheet work. I was able to do that because I had slack in the day. Today is a much lighter day. The day before was a much lighter day. I think that we can do a lot of good in our business with 30 to 50 excellent hours. And if we are always pushed to 60, 70, 80 hours, I think it's very easy for us to tip over into that unbalance and have the needle move a little bit too far. I think having a little bit of slack where you do have some afternoons every single week where you're like, huh, what do I do right now? And you can just ponder and think like, okay, what, what is the most impactful thing that I should be doing? I think that's a nice balance because Mm -hmm. That slack is always going to get filled by something if we are people who push for high performance, like the, the time that we we spend sitting on our hands is going to be very, very small. We don't really have to worry about being unproductive. We'll fill that time with productivity. But by mm-hmm. having some of those moments where slack is built in, I think it just gives us a little bit of time to breathe and to think and have balance and make up for those times where, like yesterday, I had an extra couple hours of work to do. Um, I could handle that because I've been through some easier times on the days leading up to it.
0: Yeah, and I think, interestingly, I think when I was working in the corporate, I almost have a, it almost became a bit of a back-to-back scenario with meetings and conversations because it was deemed as being productive, effective, effective you know, seeing many people as you can in a day, go around talking to people. And actually I've learned certainly working for myself to build more Slack time in uh, mm-hmm. that enables me to A just to reflect and think, you know, as a coach, I need to take some time out when I've worked with clients to have some sort of reflection time anyway, just of a that conversation that I just had with a client, but also to actually get myself sort of more self-developed through that sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's, I think that's, is really important. And I, and I think also I found um, actually to, rather than be in a mindset of doing, cause we get into concept doing by doing stuff, actually doing more being stuff and just being either with yourself or even with others. Something you just beam thinking. something up. I think you know, thinking yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just a mindset of
1: I need time to think there. There's an excellent book called good strategy, bad strategy. Um, the first third of the book kind of explains really what you need to know. And there's this, this culture of being busy, of being back to back of doing lots of things is how you're productive and good strategy, bad strategy talks about, no, the way that you actually make progress is by identifying the biggest key drivers in a system and focus only on those drivers. Coincidentally, I've also looked at all of the other companies that are very well known that bootstrapped their way to success. Some of them are in competitive industries, some were in new industries, some grew like crazy and were sold for $12 billion. Others were $30 million in revenue, but profit $20 million. In every single case, the only consistent thing that I saw was that they executed very, very well on one thing. They found that one thing. And so much of our culture is built around, well, I've got two hours free. Maybe I should fill that with a couple of meetings. And you start getting away from that, finding that key impactful thing that actually makes a difference. And you go into this mode of let's just be busy because then I don't have to do the hard
0: work of thinking. And we need, as you say, and to, to know that you need time to reflect and think Mm -hmm. about what you're doing what you've just done so you're more effective next time i think that's really important um i think this managing stress and trying to create high performance is is really uh, quite uh, important message right now because i think you know we're all trying to sort of um make our way and navigate challenges as well because obviously external things on our lives can create stress as well and um you know one thing i've always thought and got to grips with more and more so is you know just control the controllables as soon as i start going to the state of trying to control things i can't control then stress stops going up anyway um thank you for your time today taryn it's been really good and i really like the analogies and the comparisons to uh triathlon i think people quite like that sort of sports people can sort of relate with that and your own experience as well and how you're managing your your sort of peak performance um if people are interested in in what you're saying and want to connect with you and engage with you, what's the best way of doing that? They search for triathlon
1: Taren. Some of my handles aren't triathlon Taren anymore, but all of the algorithms will still be able to find me. Taren is T-A-R-E-N. And if people are interested in seeing what, maybe they're an athlete train for a running race, a triathlon, a duathlon, a swim run, or a cycling event, and they want to see what a balanced training plan looks like compared to what they might think it is and um, really what endurance athletes look like, which is like you and me. They're people that want to push themselves but need a balanced training plan to be able to do that safely. Our website is mymotive.com.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for your time today, Taryn. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at JulianRobertsConsulting.com.